You are listening to the In Perspective Weekly Podcast with Bob Branco and Peter O'Toole. Hi, everyone. Welcome to In Perspective. My name is Bob Branco for episode number 266. And with me today, my good friend, good colleague, and good co-host, Peter Alchul. Peter, what's going on today? Good afternoon, everybody. I'm from, from sunny and miserable Columbia, Missouri. I think it's like 95 degrees here. Uh, delighted to be part of the show. Thank you. Let me offer some thanks to other people who make it possible for In Perspective to be made available to the general public. We start out with Raymond Gay, our producer. Thank you for what you do. I also want to thank Tom and Lynn, who run Rosie's Place Chatline. Each week, they post In Perspective podcasts on Bulletin Board 15. So thank you, Tom and Lynn. I also want to thank the media outlets that help us out. We appreciate that very much. And also to Jacqueline Sylvia, who is my website designer. She archives In Perspective on my website, which is www.brancoevents.com. And I want to say hi to a faithful participant and listener. Let me give a shout out to Marta Bartel. Marta, thank you very much for your support. We appreciate it very, very much. For many, many years, there has been lots of talk about blind people serving on juries. I'm one of these people who don't believe in hardships very much. The only hardship that I think I would want to do is if the courthouse assigned to me was too far away for me to travel effectively. I've done that before because I almost served on a jury back in 2008. It's believed by many advocates that we can serve, but there are opponents who believe that we should be able to see the evidence. And is it fair that other people have to tell us what the evidence is? I'm sure you've heard that comment before. But I'm not here to take sides. In fact, that's what a good juror does. Don't take sides. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce a panel of people who are going to be discussing blind people serving on a jury. So I'm going to introduce each panelist one by one. We start out with Ruth Ann Acosta. Ruth Ann, welcome to In Perspective. Ruth Ann. Hello. There you are. Welcome. Welcome Thank to you. our show. Okay, I also want to bring back to our program Dana Ard, if she is unmuted, she had difficulty coming in. But if she is there, I want to welcome her. She was on our show a while back to talk about the meaning of vocational rehab counseling. Dana, if you're there, welcome. If not, we hope to hear from you very, very soon. And finally, Erwin Hot. Erwin is known as the editor of Newsreel Magazine, but he decided to come on the show today to talk about jury duty as well. Erwin, it's a pleasure. Welcome back to In Perspective. Thanks. Nice to be here. All right. Well, let me start out with Ruth Ann. Uh (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's okay, Ruth Ann. The questions aren't going to be very, very tough. Okay. Have you ever served on a jury before? Yes, I have. I've done it several times. Back in the days when people use slate and st- when people use slates and styluses to take notes rather than computers or uh, note takers, I uh, was on 
Oh, I'd say I made it actually two, several cases, uh, different types of, of cases. Uh, uh, one of the hardest places that they found to get what they considered to be a fair jury is in cases of driving under the influence. Well, obviously, I'm not a, a, a licensed driver. Uh, they didn't want somebody who was a, you know, knocked down alcoholic, but they also didn't want somebody who was a teetotaler. And I'm kind of in the middle. I, you know, we'll have a glass of wine with dinner and things like that. And that, that seemed to be okay. Uh, Olga, mute. Currently unmuted. Alt plus A button. Ben. Okay. Oh, good. Is that who? Who's that, please? I'm sorry. Continue, please. Ruthann, continue. Okay, but anyway, these. Uh, so yes, I have had. Uh, you know, jury have had been have been on different cases, and uh, found it to be a very very much a learning experience. Dana, tell us about your experience with sure. jury duty. Okay, so tell us about your experience with jury duty, Dan. Yes, I will. <clears throat> okay, I have served once. I have only been called once. Uh, when I was Bob? called, what? When when I was called, um, <clears throat> I uh, went and and there were a lot 14, of people 17, and they asked a lot of questions, and then the the judge asked who has not served on a jury. And I raised my hand and I said, I have not. And then he asked us why we would like to serve. And I said, you know, it is my civic duty. It would be an honor to serve. And even if I'm not called, I am pleased to be here. And he, um, uh, he let me on. And it was a fascinating case, but it wasn't one that took much you didn't have to see it because this guy took a stolen check, uh, tried to cash it, and uh, it turned out that he had, was a repeat offender. And what was so interesting was when we got in to determine his uh, verdict, we had a woman uh, on the jury who was insistent that this guy was innocent that, oh, he didn't know the check wasn't his, and blah, blah, blah. And I said, no, this is not the guy's first rodeo, and I already know that. Well, it turned out when we did find him guilty, we finally got her convinced that he was not some guy that was so foolish that he didn't know what he did. Uh, they were waiting. He, he had a withhold held judgment, and they were waiting for the determination on this case to proceed. So I think now he's spending some time in uh, the state prison system. Thank okay. You. Thank you so much. How about you, Erwin? Yeah, I've actually served twice. Um, back in the 70s, I was called for jury duty. And at that time, blindness was an automatic exemption. There was, you were not allowed to serve, which disappointed me greatly. And I, uh, did write a letter and nicely complain about it. Uh, in, I think it was 1988, I actually got a summons to serve on the grand jury. And in Franklin County, there is a grand jury and the prosecutor can choose to take cases to the grand jury. And the grand jury makes the decision whether to indict or not. So there needs to be essential, essentially probable cause now, the joke is, of course, that a grand jury would indict a ham sandwich, 
Um, and it is a four months term and they call, I don't know how many jurors, but they call a whole ton of jurors and they pick 14 initially, two alternates and 12 people to serve. And you're expected to serve for two weeks or so. Uh, and as you drop off from however long you choose to serve, the next person comes up. So I think I ended up serving for about three months because I had the time to do it. The courthouse was downtown, uh, close to where Newsreel was, and I was using regular bus. So if uh, it had been, if I'd had to use the uh, uh, on-demand or mainstream service, I'm not sure I could have done it because I'm not sure it could have guaranteed that I would get there in time. So essentially, a lot of mornings I went down and worked at Newsreel early, then caught the bus down to the courthouse and served on the grand jury. And so you went through many cases in a day. Uh, and this was back in 1988. I actually had a Braille and speak, and I used that for taking notes. And I was actually very careful to delete the notes at the end of the day because nothing was supposed to leave the courthouse because grand jury proceedings are secret. So you're not ever actually allowed to talk about what went on in the cases. So not that I remember a whole lot from 1988, but I can talk some in some general terms. Uh, there were also two tours of the Franklin County Jail. So here I am with all the other jurors going through the Franklin County Jail with uh, uh, Brandy, my uh, seeing eye dog. So that uh, I'm, I'm sure got some uh, books. And we had the uh, privilege of having lunch there at the jail, uh, which uh, was, I can tell you nothing special, although I heard it was supposed to be a step up from normal. So I'm not sure I want to know what normal was, but <laughs> I, I can talk more about a couple specific things on that later. And then in, I think about 2013, I got called again, and that was for the regular jury. And it was a, a specific single case. And, uh, that was uh, quite unmemorable, to say the least, actually. And the uh, the guy did enter a plea eventually, so there actually was no trial. But uh, I was very glad to serve. It is my civic duty. And since I could do it transportation-wise, uh, I was glad to do it. So I'd like to ask the panel, uh, I don't really care who goes first, Obviously, one of the major questions that I have, and I think most of us have, is how did the whole blindness thing come up when 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 uh, the judge was trying to determine who would be on the jury? You know, it, it, the traditional approach is no blind people allowed on juries. How did you all circumvent that? We'd like to take a run at that question first. Well, in Ohio, I can tell you that the state law changed. So I think in the early 80s, perhaps, although I'm not sure. So, and I didn't know that, but it, so I was very pleased when I got the summons to serve that it was clear that blindness was not an exemption. So I was very happy about that. Yes, but but when you know it came it came time for you to actually serve, did the judge say, okay, how how will you as a blind person look at evidence, or how will you do this, or you know the usual standard questions yeah. that you imagine being asked? I don't think how it actually. I don't think it actually came up very much. 
The only thing with the grand jury, since you were voting on several cases a day, they initially, the first day we were voting, they were giving the cases and asking us to vote in random order. And I asked them to please do that in the order in which the cases were presented. So that made it much easier for me. Sure. Um, otherwise, I think there were a couple of times when people did describe pictures, but over the whole two times I served, I didn't find blindness to be a uh, significant issue, at least for me. Okay. Other folks on the, uh, on the panel. We had that come up uh, on one of the juries that I was on. In fact, I think it was my first case that it was traffic accident case. And the police officer was standing at the board and drawing a picture of what was there. And he said, now the car was over here and then it went over here and the judge stopped him in mid sentence and said, excuse me, sir, but this needs to be something so that it could be read in the court record. And, um, Anyway, we have a juror on here who's blind, and I doubt she knows what you're even talking about. And uh, so after that, he described it a little bit more so that I could, you know, that everybody could understand. He'd say the car was in lane one and it went over to lane four and uh, various things like that. And, uh, the, it was a drunk driving case. I think that was one I managed to get on um, as far as that was concerned. but. It really didn't come out that much. If it, your name was put in the, however the selection was made, and uh, we went. It it just you know if if something happened, if something came up, it was dealt with. Now there was one case that was a uh, case where the uh, officer or where the um, people said that all of their or most of their evidence was on a videotape uh, with you know a silent videotape it was the case with alec baldwin and his wife jane um Je uh, Be uh whatever her name was jennifer basinger where she was coming home from the hospital and there was some question as to whether the press was being intrusive taking pictures and you had to get the information from the uh uh, videotape and they did not feel a description would necessarily be unbiased and uh, unfair and uh, they suggested I not be on that case and I agreed with them with a, a videotape there were other times when you know evidence was more dealt with or was more obvious or with you know a question of law was reached but uh, that was the one case where we had that oh, it went where things were, you know, dealt with, where blindness did kind of come up. Sure. Anna? Anna, yeah. <clears throat> I did not have the issue raised. The judge never asked. I find that really interesting because because the the all the stories that I've heard is that, uh, you know, during the, if, you know, if you got that, uh, that far in the jury thing, that the judge or the attorney would say essentially something like, or, or or not even say it, just throw you off because you were blind, mm -hmm. or throw you off. Because, and that right. that doesn't seem to be the case with any of you, with either with any of you three folks, hmm. which I find interesting. So, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I have to add one quick thing with the grand jury. Um, one of the funniest things in some of these cases were especially the ones with the little kids. 
where there'd been sexual imposition or, or something like that. Uh, and I had my uh, seeing eye dog uh, Tonka with me and she practically slept through the whole thing, which was pretty good for her. Uh, <laughs> but one of the little girls had been talking about gross sexual imposition. And when she was done, she ran over and got down on the floor and gave Tonka the biggest hug and Aww. stayed with her for a couple minutes. And that, that practically brought the place to tears. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I was so glad Tonka was there at the right time. And the other little girl I remember was when she was then to the prosecutor, where's my candy bar? <laughs> <laughs> when you folks received your summons, whether it was one time or three times or how many times it was, was there an option on the summons for you to declare hardship? And if so, what was the hardship and what did you do? Um, third one, I think there probably was a place to check that you could not serve for a specific reason. And I remember in the criminal case that I was on, there were some people who tried to get out of the jury and the judge went as far as to say, okay, you need a letter from your employer that you can't serve for whatever reason. So he was not very willing to let people out of the jury uh, unless it was absolutely necessary in his view. Well, the time I, uh, I've served on, you know, very various times, but uh, the time when uh, I did get out was I was going to be having heart surgery and uh, the doctor had to write a letter and send some kind of an excuse saying that I was not able to serve. And they said, when would you be able to, or able to come back? I was getting older by that time. And the doctor put down never. <laughs> and, and, uh, but that was the real other times I was expected to, uh, you know, to be there. But you, Dana. Yeah. It was on. It was on there, uh, but I didn't check anything. I mean, it wasn't a hard. So, what was your experience? I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Sort of, especially your first day. You know, you arrived to, in this to to this new space that you've never been to before. Uh, how did you sort of, you know, you know, deal with all that newness and getting around from place to place and getting to where you needed to be at the right place at the right time? How did that all work work for each of you? Well, when I came into the courthouse, I asked, I said that I have been summoned to the jury and I asked for directions to how to get up onto the fourth floor. And I think there, if I remember right, there was somebody that was down on the first floor because of course, this was also during COVID time. So uh, we had to wear masks and that sort of thing. So uh, I was escorted up by the marshal and then when it came from moving from room to room, I mean, there were lots of us. So I sure. just followed and asked, you know, where a chair was and that sort of thing. And um, I didn't have any problem because there were people to ask if I didn't know or couldn't sure. follow them. Okay. Other other reactions to that question? Yes. Well, what I did is I had someone take me there. Uh, my husband has a reader. He's a school teacher if you probably know him and uh 
I went there just to kind of get some ideas to what was going on. I had her take me. Uh, when mm-hmm. I showed up the next, the, the day for jury duty, I showed up on the bus uh, and um, I was assigned to the Van Nuys court for most of my jury experiences. And it's fairly easy to get there. The jury room, I think, was on the first floor. Uh, they didn't seem to, uh, I had to try to help, uh, get help from somebody in the audience or that was also a jury. You're in a situation where you don't know anybody and they don't know you. And uh, you have, at that time, you kind of have to do, you know, had to do the best you could. Sure. Uh, there were times I think I could have used a reader. One of the uh, jury cases, they gave us this 20-page questionnaire because of 60 Minutes had done a, a show on jury selection and how the jury was moved and everything like that. And, of course, uh, they allowed me to take it home, but it would have been helpful if they would have had someone there that, you know, could have read the questions and filled things out instead of trying to depend on, you know, other people to do that. when I think for me... The second time I was on the jury, uh, not the grand jury, uh, somebody there at the courthouse helped me fill out the questionnaire. And that was, that was great. Uh, the bad part, not that it mattered that much, was the other potential jurors actually were meeting at that time just to get to know each other. So I missed out on that. Mm-hmm. And in the long run, that really mm-hmm. didn't matter much. But uh, it was great that somebody did help me fill out the questionnaire. And the judge said this had never happened before. You were assigned a number and you were sort of on benches and you were in uh, numerical order. And the judge actually picked the first 12 of us. Uh, And he said that he didn't think that had ever happened before. So before we continue, someone's jaws is still on. You must press Mm -hmm. insert space and the letter S to shut it off completely. Thank you. Go ahead, Peter. I I was just going to suggest, because I know we have a large group of folks here um, who might have questions that it it may be a shade early, but I'm going to suggest that um, Ray, if you would, would, would object, if you can make a little speech about raising hands and nodding heads or whatever it is, or muting or whatever it is. That would be awesome. And then uh, for folks who want, want to raise their hands, please. Oh, Ray. sure. Chris, you are up next. Hello, Chris. Chris. Welcome. Hello. Hey, Chris. Well, um, I have never actually served on a jury, but I've, I've had, um, oh, back around the beginning of 2020, uh, just at the beginning of COVID time, I was summoned and uh, um, my husband filled out, helped me fill out all the, there was a questionnaire or a form that went with that. And um, on it, um, they d- did ask if I had um, any special things to, to um, that they should consider. And we put down that I was blind. And uh, time went by. And I didn't hear anything for a long time. And then I was, um, they, they called me, they um, called me on the phone. Someone called me on the phone and 
we talked about uh, if I, if I had a hardship, um, you know, if I had anything that was a hardship and or I needed to have a doctor's excuse, and um, I said that um, I'm uh, I would like to do my civic duty. I I want to be on the jury, and I and I don't have any any hardship. We can, you know, work on the how, the blindness issue, and uh, so. But it went on. I didn't think anything about it because it was, um, you know, they, we kept getting notes that said uh, the next. Uh, you know, we we would get the dates, and then a week or two later, we'd get a, a note that would say all of the. Um, all of the trials for whatever date it was have been canceled. And that happened several times. Well, they finally got me into um, uh, tell me there, or they finally sent a note that said, call this phone number and they'll tell you whether there are um, trials going on or not. That's very common. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I did that. And finally, it was still, I assume, because of the COVID situation and, you know, just how things were, um, I got um, a notice that said, um, you've served your service. Thank you for mm. serving your service. Oh, okay. And that was it. And I think that had to have been done with just, we, they couldn't, um, they just couldn't keep the trials going. For that particular time, I'm I'm probably going to get another sur- summons, and you know that's how it goes. All right. So yeah, but th- that's a very that was a very interesting situation to be in. <laughs> so so you're you 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 assume you're still on in in the on the rolls if if if, if I you, could be I I was you don't I, you know, know for certain yeah. but I don't know for certain be. no and mm-hmm. maybe you'll get a chance now that you know uh, COVID mm-hmm. is less. Uh, yeah, I may still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, if yeah. I may, I was summoned to jury duty this year. Mm-hmm. I forgot what month it was when I got my original letter. But mm-hmm. then, about a couple of weeks before the actual date of my summons, I got another letter saying, don't bother. You don't have to go. So, yeah. Chris, you're right. These, Same thing. This kind of thing happens <laughs> right. quite often. Yeah. 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 It happens to everybody. It's not just blind people. I, I, oh, you know. I knew it wasn't. Yeah. I yeah. Just yeah. something about it just didn't seem to be unfriendly or anything. Of course, they were all recordings on the phone and stuff. Sure. But, yeah. So, anyway, that was my that's my story. Well, so. thank you, Chris. And you're sticking to it, right? Uh, I'm sticking, sticking, sticking to, to it. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. Sticking to bye, it. Bye. Thank you, Chris. Uh, Ray. Ray. Yes, uh, Sharon, you are up next. Hello, Hi, Sharon. Hey, Sharon. Hello. Um, the first time um, I did fill out a hardship, not because of blindness when I was summoned, but because the jury was going to be quite a distance from me. Um, so I just said I would. I need to be in a local jewel, you know, jury pool. So I did get to go, and I was very pleasantly surprised that I got good help with a questionnaire. Uh, and whoever was assisting me also knew how to guide. So I was really impressed. So I got into the pool and it turned out to be a case, if I remember correctly, that involved evidence about collision marks, uh, on a 
you know, on a highway. And when I got to the judge, he said, I'm really not sure that you can do this. And I said, I agree with you because I, I just felt like you really had to see it. So I said, I would like to go back into the pool if there are other panels for the day. And he, he said, of course. But then everybody got dismissed. So that was the end of it. <laughs> so I have a question for the thank you, Sharon. I have a question for sure. the panel because this is the, the second time I've heard this kind of story. And it's a, it's a tough call about what, you know, making judgment what you can or can't do. What you can't do, right, right. It's a right. very reasonable question. And my reaction hearing that story is, of course, I can't see the marks, right? I'm totally right. blind. Right. But, you know, my experience in these kinds of situations is when you're in, the, in, in a place and people are sort of discussing visual stuff, you know, folks with vision their perceptions are often very different, right? About, about, I'm not thinking about juries. I'm talking about, I don't know, videos of stuff. Oh, sure. Uh, or something. Right. And so yeah. I, I'm wondering whether <clears throat> having a blind person in, in, in that, in, in during those discussions and have, and listening carefully might give people a very unique perspective. Okay. I didn't see the thing, but I'm hearing this, 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 and this, you know, here's what I'm hearing from that. Is, is that a reasonable assessment? Just getting people to sort of, sort of, to sort of hear what each other is saying strikes me that could be a really valuable thing for a blind person to do. Does that make I think sense so, but I think, you know, at the time, uh, you know, I, I was just trying to think of, well, what I, what I thought I could do. Sure. You know, I, this is not and, a criticism but at I, all. But I'm just I have an interesting perspective on it, Peter, because um, certainly three people can see the same scene, even when they can see it perfectly well. And, 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 and see it very differently. Right. I, I can't, I can't, right. I've seen this with videos. You know, yes, but I, I kind of I, felt yeah. like this was going to be very concrete, mm-hmm. you know, like I would think so like some of the people on the panel have talked about that some of the evidence, yeah, there was visual evidence, but maybe there was enough other stuff that you could, you could do without. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting issue. And I thank you for raising it uh, for the panel. Any reactions to anything that we've been talking about? Yeah, it's Erwin. And I really didn't find, especially in the grand jury duty, where you were hearing several cases a day and cases, you know, might be the prosecution basically would tell you what they were going to be or want wanted to charge the person with. Rarely did uh, visual things come up where I needed much description. And there were a couple times, I think, when people did describe some of the pictures. But for the most part, it to, it simply was not a problem, which I was very happy about. No, that's, that's interesting. Uh, thank you, Sharon. Um, I appreciate that Sharon. a lot. Ray, who's next? Um, phone number ending in 388. You are up next. Yeah, this is Mitch. And uh, hey, Mitch. Just, just quickly, because I, I have to leave fairly soon, but um, I, I've been called several times. I've served twice. Uh, and the last time I served, I've just been called again. Um, after I was on the panel, the judge uh, asked me to stay for a moment. And she said, uh, how do you think you would handle visual evidence, pictures? And I said, well, the court clerk has to have a good transcript and has to have things described in detail. And I said, uh, that, that type of description would be perfectly fine, and I'd understand uh, what was on the pictures. And she said, okay, thank you very much, and we'll see you tomorrow. 
um, they really do have to describe uh, in depth what is uh, on those pictures or, or maps or drawings or whatever. And uh, as I say, I've served twice. I've been called again. And uh, I had, when I needed uh, assistance uh, in the courthouse, I got it. Uh, including, I think, once where I had to fill out. It wasn't a lengthy questionnaire, but a questionnaire. And, uh, uh, you know, other than uh, my initial problem in the early 70s when we had, uh, when we had to sue the state of California, uh, and ultimately, uh, thanks to uh, some legislation that uh, allowed us to at least get to the voir dire process, uh, I've, I've not had a problem. Uh, and I almost uh, was an alternate uh, <laughs> for the OJ uh, trial. Uh, I was wow. serving. Oh my goodness! I was serving uh, near where I lived at the time. Uh, at the break, they said we need volunteers to go downtown, and I said fine because I worked downtown. And I went down there, and I was actually in the jury assembly room when, uh, as as a potential alternate. A juror for that case, uh, but uh, they ultimately found uh, the alternates they needed, so uh, that was that. But uh, I think it's important for us to serve, and uh, uh, and and I, you know, the, this last time I I had to uh, make sure I got uh, to my local courthouse here in Pasadena. I didn't want to go where they were rich, originally going to send me. And uh, one of the people I talked to said, "Well, you're you're over seventy. You can uh, you can get a permanent exemption." And I said, "I know, but I don't want it." So um, we'll see what happens uh, when I go in uh, in a couple of weeks. So that's uh, that's what Mitch, I have to say about Mitch, this. Just uh, for clarification, could you please explain to the listeners what is the voir dire process? That is the questioning that both the prosecution and defense attorneys. Uh, they can ask you questions, and uh, you answer those questions, and they don't have to. They, they can dismiss you for any reason. They don't have to tell you why they are dismissing you. So, um, uh, you know, in the 70s, we wouldn't even get that far in California. So now, you know, they can, they can turn you away. They can dismiss you. They only have certain number of challenges but they can uh, they can decide and i in fact i got called years ago where after i was dismissed and several of us were out in the lobby talking we decided that they were they were um, dismissing anyone who had uh, a college education or worked mm-hmm. in a professional capacity so mm-hmm. they can turn you away for any reason yeah mitch before you go i know you need to go I just a quick question. If if you would if you had been chosen to serve as an alternate jury on the OJ case, would you have would you have taken it on? And how would you have been able to live your life for 18 months or however long that case ran? Well, they wouldn't they wouldn't have taken me because I went to the University of Southern California oh, when OJ right. was there. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Thank thank you, Mitch. Uh you sure, take care. Enjoy Bye. your workout. All enjoy right, thanks. Yeah, thanks. Okay. Uh, it, thank you. Uh, Ray. Next up is Connie. And I apologize about your name wrong. But you, you, got, you got it right. It's Connie hey, Sims. Hi, Peter. Um, thanks for having this. It's I have served once and I have been summoned several times. And I have actually been questioned by 
all the judges and the attorneys and stuff um, several times. So I um, it's been an interesting process and it's probably a little bit different in South Dakota, but back in the first time I got called was back in the eighties and it was for a murder trial. And when I was called and I was very last one to get dismissed for that one, but we could not go by the murder suite scene and it was actually a bar. And for me to get there by bus, I had to go by the murder scene. Um, so I had to find a different way to get to the courthouse. So that was always an interesting thing for me, but I was glad I got out of that one. The one that I thought that I served on, um, I really thought that both attorneys would dismiss me one way or the other. It was dealing with medical and it was a civil case and it was a car accident. So with my background, I thought that I would get out of it. Um, but they both wanted me talked to one of the attorneys afterwards and they both wanted my expertise. So with that one, with the evidence, there was um, some timelines and there were uh, a chart that they followed. This, the defendant, the plaintiff, I should say complainant, had been in accidents before. Um, that's all we could we're told we could not be told anything prior to about those accidents. Um, and me with my, the background I worked in, um, I kind of figured out and I knew the injuries. So I could not see that information when they were describing it, but they did a really nice job describing the, the flow. Um, and then when I got chose to do that one, the attorney asked if, I would be comfortable sitting closer to the, the stand to the box. And I said, that would be fine. If, you know, I said, I didn't have any issue that way I could see the witnesses closer. And he's asked the juror, other jurors, if that was fine with them and the, the attorneys, and they all felt that was good. So I could see the witnesses uh, easier. Uh -huh. um, so that helped. Um, I couldn't always see all their, you know, motions and stuff, but I could see most of it, you know, but at least he asked, they were very courteous. They made sure that I, I could see what I could get through and around. Um, the big thing for me was when we deliberated, I couldn't wait to get my hands on the medical book. So I wanted to see the hard evidence and I couldn't read because the print was too small. Um, the lighting wasn't real good. So I had actually another juror read some stuff to me and they were more than help, happy to do that. And that's how I got through that one. Um, I got, the next time I got Sir summons, it was like two years later and it was supposed to be like five years. And I got two years later, I got summons and I actually got called up to be questioned by the attorneys the whole time. I was called. Um, so the jury pool that I was with joked because I was the only one out of the whole jury pool that got questioned for every single case we got on. Um, and they didn't give me any leniency. Um, they eventually let me go. Um, but the last one, I actually asked to be let go on that one because I had a niece getting married out of town and they thought it would go into the weekend. And I said I didn't have other transportation to get out of, out of town up to where it was. The attorneys, I don't think we're going to let me go 
um, it took the judge telling the attorneys to let me go um, on that one. So that was really interesting to watch how that happened. Um, and then how the last time I was actually just getting ready to have back surgery. And so I had my doctor write a note and he said, you know, you're going to get called again. I said, I know. And this is like two years later. So it was like every two years I was getting called. Um, and they wrote me and said, no, well, you do not have to show back up again, which I was really surprised. But I do have to go back. And the time that I did serve, I had no one else working for me. I was self-employed. Um, well, I wasn't self-employed. I was working for a doctor. But we didn't have a lot of people covering. And I was seeing patients at the time. So it was really hard to manage. And I talked to the deputy, the clerk, and mentioned, you know, this could go into the following week. And I said, it's really hard for us to schedule patients. I said, can we have an idea if this is going to, how much longer this is going to go? And he went and talked to the judge and actually the judge came back after break. I knew ahead of time because they came and talked to me, but shortened it because of, it would have been a hardship for my boss actually, and um, made the attorneys shorten their witnesses list. So we were actually done that day. We had to go through the night for the deliberations, but um, which was really nice. But, you know, they were very accommodating and all the paperwork that they did was always sent out ahead of time to us. Um, but when I did have to do any paperwork, they would read it for me. And then on my other hand, my husband got called, who was totally blind, got called to our grand or our federal jury. And he got dismissed, but he um, went downtown. That courthouse is easier to get to. Um, and they assisted him, guided him to where he needed to go, um, the U.S. Marshals and stuff into that courtroom. But he was able, with the assistance, to get around, but he ended up getting dismissed. But um, I would say that we've had really good accommodations and never turned anyone around, and they've always made us welcome. I wonder how many bosses, aside from yours, in other words, I'm wondering how common this is where bosses interfere with the process because of what their employees have to do for them. Lot, it happens all the time. I, I, yeah. I, it happens. Yeah, I think because because bosses have to, you know, they got to run a business and, you know, it's, it's all well and good for for, you know, for, you know, people to volunteer as jurors, but they're valued staff and the bosses have every right to say, hey. You know, I need my staff. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, go ahead, Connie. Yeah. And, you know, and my dad, and it was a small, you know, I worked for a chiropractic clinic at the time. So I had, I was working for two doctors and I was the only therapist there. And um, I was book solid when I was working. Yeah. So trying to find someone to follow, you know, cover for me was hard. And I just explained that. So I think if, you know, we said if we could have understanding, but they, I thought that the judge was really good because, I mean, he said, you know, let me talk to him and, but yeah, they didn't question me. They didn't question, you know, my boss's motive. They were very accommodating. So I thought that was nice to see. Great. But Connie, what I appreciate about your story, especially is, you know, just to remind us that blindness is not just total blindness, right? It's, it's various degree of, 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 right. of, uh, of, of sight, if you, if you will. And so those matters are handled a little differently, right? You were, you sat more up front so you could see the witness better. Um, right. That, that's, that's really valuable, you know stuff for for you and and for the jet for the 
legal system as it were. So thank you, Connie, for sharing all that. Oh, thank, thank you. you I think, thank you for having this. I think, I think this is a good platform and um, I'm glad I can make it today. But yeah, I think it's, it's interesting how everything is different. And I think each state does everything differently. You know, I look back, back in the 80s, how you couldn't be in the, the courtroom together when you started having the jury questioning and now it's all changed that way. So it's all, it's, it's all good, but I think well, my, my best, it. my best guess is, you know, there's so many people who hate jury duty that they're trying to make it as easy as possible, you know, to get as many people into the system as possible. And that's one of the things they're doing, I think. Uh, yeah. To streamline the process. Yeah. Uh, so good. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Connie. Thank Appreciate you. It. Very Pamela, much, Connie. Before Next we, up. Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, well, go ahead, Ray. Well, we have two more people with their hands raised at this point. Let's, so let's do it. Let's we do it. we have Denise, and then after Denise will be Deanna. All right, Denise. Denise, you're next. Thank you. I um <clears throat> was have been summoned twice. Um, the first time, um, I did go in, and um, and I didn't both times. I didn't put in my paperwork that I was blind. Um, because I didn't feel I needed to. Um, so the first time I went in and um, was in there with the rest of the jury and the judge called me in separately and talked to me and asked me about different scenarios. And, you know, I tried to the best of my ability to explain um, how I would do things. And um, I actually got to go in with the initial group that went in and the judge questioned um, all of us um, about different things. And um, I was not called at that point. I was dismissed, but at least I felt like I'd gotten that far. The second time I went in, um, the clerk came up to me and said, before I even went into the room where the, where the jury, prospective jury members were waiting, and she said, you didn't put any, any information on your um, application about that you would need any and need any kind of accommodations, so you can't serve. And I said, you know, I'm not required to do that. If I believe that I can do this, um, you know, I need to be given um, that same consideration. And she wouldn't bend. She wouldn't budge. She said, "No, we we." We need to dismiss you, and it was it was a very um, whole different experience. Interesting. Uh, from, from the panel, any reactions to that? Everyone uh, disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I tried one time to get off, uh, just because I I didn't want to do it, and then whatever, and they. The person, the jury foreman made it very clear that, you know, if you think you're going to just get off of this thing, you know, you're, you're, you may be blind, but you're a citizen of this country. And we would expect that you would serve and, you know, do, do you say civic duty? That's the opposite attitude. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah, the frustrating thing was that I wanted to serve. I mean, I was really disappointed. Mm hmm. I, I find that story really bizarre. I guess it I is. I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised because people. I'm wondering what the ADA thinks of this. They have well, a position on this. I, I, well, I'm 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 sorry that Mitch Pomerantz is no longer here, and so I'm going to speak 
uh, 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 quavering my shoes. There's a there's a thing called undue hardship, which essentially means they must provide these accommodations unless it's too hard for them to do so. And that undue hardship is sort of complicated how you determine that. And I from the I'm wondering if the the uh, inflexible person said you didn't give us enough time to do this. We yeah, can't provide I th- those accommodations, and so therefore we we have to excuse you. Yeah, uh, I, and I think that was the, that was the tack they were taking was yeah. well, you didn't allow us the time we would have needed to ensure that. We had, you know, the things in place that you would need. Well, you know, and I, I even I, said, "Well, can I come back?" And they said, "No." Yeah, <laughs> that's too bad. Yeah, it really yeah. is too bad. Um, thank even you, if, Denise. Even if the next, even if the next time you came back, you planned more uh, carefully, and they knew way ahead of your situation. Or do you think uh, next, if you were to, if you were to go back, do you think you disclose ahead of time? I guess is, is another way of framing that question. Do you think you would do that? Or what, what are your, you know, what, what, what might you do? I don't know. I mean, that's a hard question because on the one hand, I was concerned that if, if I did disclose that I wouldn't even be, you know, considered sure. at all, which I wasn't anyway, but I mean, I wouldn't have even gotten through the, you know, calling in every night to see if your number was called. Oh, um, well, let me rephrase this, uh, Denise. In other words, they, you came in the first time, you didn't tell them that you were blind ahead of time. They found out. So if you came back a second time, it's not like they didn't know. They know already. Well, I know. I, I thought. I mean, there was some. There was a time lapse there. I mean, the second time I was called was probably, you know, three or four years after the first time I was called. But I thought the same thing. I mean, granted, there was probably different staff, but yeah, there's a high turnover. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. I want to make sure. Thank you. I'm, I'm sorry that happened to you. Uh, Me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah, sympathize. Yeah. It, it it totally uh, it, you know it's unfortunate. Uh, you know, and and what this reminds me of, you know, one of the issues we talk about in the employment arena is when do you disclose your disability? Right? Doesn't exactly. Just, employment applies to serving on juries as well. Um, all right. Thank you, Denise. Uh, Deanna, are you? Are Deanna, you next, next up? Um, I've served twice on juries. The first one was, I've. Whoops. Make it no. Is that better? No, you're, you're fine. Dan. You're fine. Okay. Um, I've served twice on juries. The first time was a traffic um, violation. A gentleman refused to take a breathalyzer test. And so all we had to base the decision on was the police statement of what he observed. And it was a very small town. And I felt that you know, why would the policeman pull him over if he didn't see something that he thought was, you know, threatening and the, the guy wasn't able to walk a straight line and the man claimed that he had um, some disabilities that caused him not to be able to walk straight. And the jury found in his favor, oh I God. felt that the police officer was justified and as a man was was drunk because he refused to take the breathalyzer test, um, so I was not in the majority. So that was that case was dismissed. Second time was a child molestation case with three children involved, and during the voir dire, they wanted to know if I could tell when a child was telling the truth, and I said, "Well, I'm a mother." And I listen more carefully to how people phrase things, the, the rhythm of their speech. Um, I can judge 
often how a person is feeling, even though they don't say anything about that simply by the way they they speak. And so I said, no, I don't believe, you know, as a mother of three, that I would not be able to tell if a child had been coached or was was actually telling what happened. So um, I got seated, but when we were brought back for the trial, they didn't have everyone there they needed. Um, Two of the families had moved out of town. It was a small town. The man was released um, pending the trial. And I think the families felt that they didn't want their children in that same community where he might have access to them. And they moved away. And the one family that did show up, all three children were from lower income families, had come from another state. And they had a leaking gas tank. And they barely made it. And so when they tried for a second date, none of the children's families came forward. Um, so we were just dismissed. Um, I did think it was interesting, however, that I knew two of the other people that had been called up and questioned um, as to placement on the jury. And one of them was an employee of mine. And she said, see any reason why she couldn't give a fair judgment. The My daughter's fifth grade teacher said he didn't think he could be unfair because he would believe children mm-hmm. over an adult. So he was dismissed. And then we were dismissed for lunch. And my, my employee and I went off to get a sandwich. And she said, oh, he's guilty. He looks like a sleaze. Hey. <laughs> so I was kind of amused <laughs> that she, you know, told the uh, lawyers that she would she would be able to give a fair judgment <laughs> of course of course naturally yeah, yeah. but the, um i wasn't really questioned on on other things just simply you know could i tell if a child was lying because i couldn't see them in their facial expression well i mean that that's a loaded question if there ever was one yeah yeah and yeah. obviously yeah. that was the yeah. lawyer defending the the man in question of course of course yeah well, thank you. Uh, panel, do you have any reactions to Deanna's story? Well, it brought something to mind. It sort of went, um, this is probably the only time I can think of that blindness really came up. And this was in the, the trial that I was going to be a jury participant on. And that was that the name of the defendant was the same name as a good friend of mine. And I mm-hmm. didn't think that that friend was the one on trial. But I did bring that to the judge that I needed to make sure that this wasn't a good friend of mine, because then it would be inappropriate for me to serve. Sure. And so the judge asked the defendant if he knew me, and he said no. And, of course, as soon as I heard his voice, I knew it wasn't the good friend. Right, right, right. Yes, yes. Identifying voices can be really valuable, can it? Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, Deanna, your story sort of reminds me of, uh, it's just not sort of germane to the subject, but uh, how these these abusive cases get, get derailed so often because of things like that. And, and why it's so hard for justice to be, to be uh, given, if you will, because this kind of stuff happens. People back out and, and I don't blame them. It's, it's There's a lot of pressure, I yeah, think, yeah. on families to protect their children. Yeah. Um, 
in an instance I was involved with personally, um, the police put pressure on the mother, who was a single mother, not to bring her child uh, accusation to to the court, not to, to press charges because her daughter was 11 years old, but mature physically. And she was, um, she was spending the night at, at, a, at a cousin's home and the cousin brought three friends home with her. The older cousin um, brought three friends home with him. They locked his sister in a, in a closet and assaulted the girl. Um, and the police kept saying, but, but she looks older than 11. And I'm going, that doesn't time. make any difference. Right, but, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate the story. Uh, thank you, Bob. And thank yeah, you. Uh, and can anybody else. hear me? Yeah, yeah, we can. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for another wonderful edition of uh, In Perspective. Erwin Hart, Dana Ard, Ruth Anna Costa, thank you for your participation today. Sure. I want to thank the many participants who contributed great stories about their time on juries as well. We appreciate all of you. Thank you so much. Next week, and by the way, next week's program, just as a side note, will be held on Thursday at 5 o'clock Eastern Time. Thursday, Deborah Kendrick, author of Navigating Healthcare, will be our guest on In Perspective next Thursday. The only Thursday that we have is a special uh, edition. Peter, Ray, everybody, thank you. Go safe with God and his abundant blessings. Have a great week, everybody. Mm -hmm.